I want to preach today, I'll go ahead and give you my title, Blessed to Be a Blessing. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, we're blessed to be a blessing. And I was planning on preaching this last week, I told the, the Sunday school class that I was planning on preaching this last week and God kind of led me to do the sermon I preach, which is a God of restoration in a little bit, maybe primarily because of my testimony that I included at the end. And uh, I'm going to be reading today, though, from 1 Peter chapter 3, two verses of Scripture. It says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Not returning evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Can I get an amen? When we are kids, if you remember this, or if you have kids... One of the first things that you begin to teach them when they interact with others is to share. How many of you like to share? There's one piece of pizza I'm not planning on sharing. It's just, the Lord is still working on me. Some of you may know that song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You're not getting my pizza. But kids are, are taught that they should share, and they're sharing their toys, and they're sharing their snacks, and they're sharing whatever uh, is around them. I'm going to share this microphone with the trash can, man. With this static in the wintertime is of utmost annoyance. Got to get an amen. It may, not, it may not bother you, but it bothers me, so I'm going to go back to this handheld, and then I'll only be able to talk with one hand. But we, we are taught to share, and unfortunately, as, as we get older, oftentimes people share less and less I had a guy tell me one time he was trying to to live out the christian faith and he's like you know i i live in close proximity to these two or three other people that go to church and he's like why do we all need a lawnmower why can't we just have one and save money and share it's good in theory i don't think he ever did it but we we typically we just don't share and in fact what what often happens is this as we get older we share less and less but we often are out to get more and more we give in to what is called the american dream and we want to get more and get everything we can and, and to gain all kinds of material goods or are all kinds of wealth and our purpose in life ultimately becomes if we're not careful to accumulate as much as we can and there is a feeling, and everybody knows it's not true, but there is a feeling out there, and it seems to be the attitude and maybe the motive of people that he who dies with the most toys wins. But the reality is it doesn't matter how much you have. He who dies, who has the most toys, still dies. And as preachers have said for decades now, you've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. 
because you can't take it with you when you go. And so accumulating all kinds of things in this life doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't really help you because in the end, in the words of the preacher in Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. It's all going to pass away and you're, you can't take it with you. So why should we seek after more and more and more? In fact, the super rich or the uber rich, they are never satisfied with what they have. They want more power, more control, more money. They have more money than they could ever spend in their lifetime or ten lifetimes. But it's not enough. There's a craving for more. And so they're, they're not interesting in sharing. Now, my, mas- my message today isn't really about physical possessions or financial blessings. But I do want to talk about blessings. And I, I want to talk about what it means to have a blessed life, and I'm going to hit that in, in just a, a little bit. I'm not going to de- deal with it too much, but oftentimes when we talk about the blessings of God, we often refer only to the material or the financial, and when we give offerings, and I say it all the time, we are of all people most blessed here in the United States. We have much more than most of the people in the world, and So we often think of it in those terms, but our text used the word blessed or blessing, and and that definition is not about how much we obtain or how much we have or what God has given us when it comes to material goods, but it is a word that is, we get our word eulogy from it. It is the word eulogia in Greek, and that means to speak well of someone, to speak good of someone. In fact, it is the same word in the Beatitudes when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. All of those blessed, those eight Beatitudes there, it's the same word, and it means to be spoken well of and to be happy because people are speaking well of you. So what does this mean is that blessing is spoken of us and that we are of all people most blessed, which means we can say that God is in uh, as in us and we are on his team and he knows us and we know him so we're blessed because we're in relationship with him we're not blessed because we have money if that was the case and the the richest person we would look at and say they're the most blessed god has blessed them but they might not even know god they may not even serve god so it's not really about what we have but it's about what jesus says of us and here in this text we're told to return evil and insult with blessing we are to speak blessing to people we are to respond to what they do by giving them something and saying something that will be a blessing because we were created and saved to inherit a blessing what i want to do is is nuance that a little bit and this verse could be used a number of different ways but understand this that we are blessed of God when we know him he has spoken of us and he has declared us to be his children can I get an amen aren't you thankful that you are a child of God that he has spoken and said you are a child of God that song we sang earlier I am what you say I am aren't you glad that he is speaking in our lives and he is speaking about us and we have been declared to be heirs of God we have been declared to be part of the beloved of God and if I could just take that and 
turn it a little bit and say, because we are all of that, we then have a responsibility and a mandate to speak blessing to others. And the specific way in which we speak blessing to others is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are blessed and we have been brought into his kingdom so that we can reach others with the gospel. We're not here just for ourselves. We're not here to say, man, look at us. We're, we're having a great time and we come to church in a somewhat cool warehouse. The older you are, the less cool it probably is. We had a youth event in here. People walked in like, man, this is cool. This is awesome. And I'm like, well, if I turn on the lights, it would be a little less cool and a little less awesome. But we, we're not here just for ourselves, but we are blessed to be a blessing. So for the next 17 minutes, I'm going to delineate an acrostic for you of the word blessed. Belkey would be familiar with it. We use it at Fountain Ridge. We use it. Mission Southside uses it. But this particular acrostic, it is, it's not unique to us. In fact, I had heard about it before I ever moved here. It originated at a church in the Chicago area. But it is an acrostic using the words, B-L, or the letters B-L-E-S-S, about being, uh, to use the word bless, and it has meanings behind all of those and what I am encouraging you to do today and every day is to live a life where you understand and you believe that we are blessed to bless others. That we're not here for us. God could take us to heaven tomorrow if he wanted us to, but if he wanted to, but we are here for a purpose, and that purpose is to bless others. And I'm going to use that acronym. The first thing that we are called to do is to begin with prayer. And that is not the right deal. So you could just go back to the title slide. Those of you that don't know, I ended up going to Indiana uh, late Wednesday, got back last night. And I probably have too many hats. And so I didn't get all the notes properly in our presentation software. But the first thing is this. We are to begin with prayer. That is the B. Jesus, I'm going to use him as an example of all five of these elements, but Jesus prayed before he did anything major. Before anything significant happened, he would go aside and he would pray. Luke 6 tells us that he prayed before picking the twelve. It was at that time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him. He already had followers. He already had people that were traveling around with him. But after spending a whole night in prayer, he chose 12 of them, whom he also called apostles. Then after spending time in prayer, He identified those that he was going to walk most closely with on this earth. What I would tell you that you and I need to to understand is that praying is essential to the Christian life. We can't accomplish anything apart from prayer. We need prayer in our lives. I had a seminary professor that said this. He said, if 
God may work, but if you don't pray, you can have no assurance of his work in your life. You can have no assurance that he's going to do what you need him to do. You can have no assurance that he's going to be involved in your life. Praying is essential, and prayer and evangelism go hand in hand. We have a thing that we do here. It's called Pray and Go, where we go and put door hangers in specific neighborhoods, and we pray for the people who live in that house. We don't know them. God knows them and say, Lord, bless the people that are in this house. And, we, and for me, when I do it, I name the house number and the street number. Like, God, you would draw them to you and use this prayer hanger or this little door hanger that we're doing saying we prayed to, to motivate them and cause them to know that you love them and you care for them. And we pray that God would be at work in them. Prayer and evangelism go hand in hand. Jesus came to find people who are lost and to help those who are hurting. And as we seek to join him in his mission, we must begin with prayer, recognizing we can only reach people through the power of the Spirit. That we need God to work in us in order to reach people. It's why I have you pray when we do the Who's Your One campaign every quarter. It's that, God, who would you have me to pray for? Who would you have me to try to reach this next 30 or 90 days, this next three months? Who would you have me to spend time with, and seek to share the gospel with. We began with prayer. The second part of the acrostic is this, that we listen with care. We listen with care. I make a living, if I could say it that way, talking. But Jesus modeled and exemplified that he listened. He was a great teacher, yes, but he was also a listener. He knew what they were going to say before they said it, but still he listened. He knew what they needed before they asked, but still he listened. In fact, Jesus, when he is on the way to the house of Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood, and in Mark 5, she comes up to him and she touches the hem of his garment, And he knows immediately, the Bible says, a virtue has left him, and the woman is healed, and he's like, who touched me? There's a great crowd of people. There's there's a lot going on, and his disciples said, Lord, what do you mean, who touched you? All these people, everybody's touching. He said, no, somebody touched me. Something happened. There was a transfer of power, and, and she was healed, and she recognized that Jesus knew that it was her. So she comes forward, and she tells him, and he says, your faith has made you whole. And in the middle of that, He overhears the conversation. He's talking to the woman, and she's just been healed. But it says, Jesus overhearing what was spoken. This is the synagogue official, and they they had just said, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus was tuned in to what was going on around him, and he said, I heard what you said, but she's not dead. She's going to live. Do not be afraid, only believe. What I would tell you is oftentimes in our zeal to reach people with the gospel, we fail to listen. Anybody besides me do this at times? I shouldn't tell you this because next time you talk to me, you're going to be wondering if I'm doing it. Somebody telling you a problem and you already got an answer before they finish? The Bible would say that's, Foolish to do that. 
Maybe when you get in an argument with your spouse, you've already got your answer and they hadn't finished talking. Y'all need to pray through, man. I'll just, I, I need to pray through. We can do that with people we're trying to help. We just want to get to the gospel. Let me just tell you what Jesus did for you. I don't care about your problems, and I don't care what doesn't really matter what's going on. I just want to share the gospel. But we need to listen because if we don't know where they're coming from, we can't adequately address their needs. We can't adequately address their questions. We can't adequately address what they have going on in their life. We need to be like Jesus and listen with care. This next one. It's my favorite. Eat together. I haven't had anything to eat today, so I may get sidetracked here talking about food. Jesus ate with sinners. And, And when he ate with sinners, the religious people criticized him and they talked about him. Mark 2 tells us, and he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many of them, and they were following Jesus calls Levi, or Matthew, as it were. He calls him, and he goes to his house, and he's eating with the tax collectors who are the lowest of the low, according to the Jews. They're working with the Romans. They're working for the Romans. Eating with people was a sign that you agreed with them, and you had this fellowship with them. And Jesus, he went and ate with them anyway. And it says there were many of these tax collectors and sinners that were following Jesus. And when they confronted him about eating with them, Jesus said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And the way I'm going to reach these sinners is I'm going to spend time with them and I'm going to get to know them and I'm going to have a relationship with them. And there's no other, no better way to do it than to spend time breaking bread with people to get to know them and have an opportunity to get acquainted with them. I've been out to eat. I love to go out to eat, mind you, but I've been out to eat with more people that I've met for the first time that all of my life put together in the last two or three years because when I, when I build a, any relationship and make a connection, my next deal, hey, let's get together for coffee or breakfast or lunch. And people will tell you just about anything while they're eating. <laughs> in previous ministry, working for Bible college, man, I raised all kinds of money eating. Getting them a little full, and everybody's like, here's my checkbook, man, just make it out. Not quite that easy. But eating brings walls down, and eating with the lost enables us to build relationships so that we can then share the gospel at another time. The first S is we are to serve with love. Jesus came to serve. He didn't come to be served. He's the king. What do you do? You serve the king. But Jesus said, no, I I didn't come 
to be served, but I came to serve. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus illustrated his servant's heart when he washed the disciples' feet. The servants weren't there, and Jesus took the towel, and he took the bowl of water, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Peter, always sticking his foot in his mouth, said, Lord, you're not doing that. And Jesus said, oh, if you don't let me do this, then you're not going to have a place in the kingdom. And Peter, not understanding, said, well, then, Lord, wash me all over. He said, you don't need that. But your feet are dirty. It's not symbolic. They're really dirty. They've been walking out in their sandals in the dusty road with animal dung. And he said, you need to have them washed, and I'm going to be your servant because I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. So when we're trying to reach people with the gospel, you want to reach them, serve them, help them. Do what you can to demonstrate the love of Jesus in your actions and in your attitude. And you may, it may take a long time to share the gospel, but serving people and helping people. Being the hands and the feet of Jesus will cause people to want to be and to know what you know and to be the kind of person that you are. And if I could just throw this in, if we're not willing to serve people and if we're having a bad attitude, why would they want to serve our Jesus? Why would they want to be like us? If we're not helpful to people and we don't love them and we're not kind to them. The second S is share the story. The people who really created this acrostic, it was really share your story. But it's more than just sharing my story and my testimony. And I shared a little bit about that last week. We want to tell them what Jesus has done for us. But we tell them not just so we can say, hey, look at me, look what Jesus has done, and pat ourselves on the back, but we share our story so we can share the story, which is that Jesus Christ loves them too, and that Jesus Christ came for them too, and Jesus Christ died for them too, and Jesus Christ was buried for them too, and he, Jesus Christ rose from the grave on the third day for them too. That they too can walk in newness of life. They too can experience salvation. When Jesus finds the woman at the well, he knows what's going on. In fact, the beginning of John 4 says, as they're on their way somewhere, he says, I must needs go through Samaria. Understand, they avoided Samaria at all costs. They didn't like those people. Jews didn't get along with the Samaritans. They had a variation of the Jewish religion. They were half Jew. They weren't full-blood Jew, and they didn't know all of the law. They just... Let's follow the first five books of Moses. But he says, I, I must needs go through Samaria. And he's tired and he sits at the well, Jacob's well, and he sends the, the twelve on into the city. And a woman comes when nobody else is supposed to be around to get water. And Jesus has an interaction with her. He asks her to give water. And, and you're, some of you are familiar with the story. And I don't have time to do it. And she's like, what are you doing? You're a Jew. Why are you asking me? And he said, well, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water because I can give you the water. You'll never thirst again. And he began to talk to her, and he began to interact with her. And ultimately, when he told her about herself, and she says, could this really be the Messiah? We know he's coming. Could this really be him? And then immediately she went back to the city and said, come see a man who told me everything about myself. Could this be the Messiah? That the goal of what we're doing and the 
the gist of what we're doing. And our mission here is to reach people with the gospel. But you can't just go out and get a megaphone and stand on the street corner and say, let me tell you about Jesus. They'll turn you down. You can go down to the plaza at various times and there are street preachers out there telling everybody they're going to hell. And while that message may be mostly true, the ones who are on their way to hell don't stop and say, well, how can I go a different place? How can I go a different way because there's no relationship? We are called to bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. As they come to the music, we are, in order to bless others, we must begin with prayer. Listen with care. Eat together. Serve with love. And share the story. If you are fully aware of the gospel today. I've mentioned it numerous times already today, but the gospel is simply this. We are lost, we are broken, and we are in need of salvation. And we couldn't get to Jesus, so he came to us. That he lived the perfect, sinless life that we couldn't live. He was crucified and killed in our place. He was buried in a tomb. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And we can apply that gospel to our lives by repenting and turning from our sin and turning from our direction and seeking to follow Him. Turning from doing things our way to doing things His way. We can go down in the waters of baptism and have our sins washed away. We can be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit Evidence in speaking in other tongues where we walk, we rise to walk in newness of life. So let me close with this final story. Four lepers city has been besieged. There's no there's no food. They're walled up in their city and the food is run out. The armies of the enemy are camped around. They can't get food in. They can't get people out. The prophet has already prophesied there was something good coming. The people who didn't believe they weren't going to be there. But it was so bad in the city that they're beginning to eat their own children. Four lepers, they're not allowed to hang out with everybody else. They're outside the gates of the city, and they said, if we sit here, we're going to die. Let's make our way to the enemy's camp, and maybe we'll find some food. They may kill us, but either way, we're going to die. Whether we die here or we die there, what, what do we have to lose? They made their way. Four lepers, diseased, outcast. Probably fingers and toes and missing from the disease. Paralyzed, 
parts of their body and took away the feeling. And As they're making their way, God amplifies their walking. Maybe it's shuffling, but it's definitely not marching. And the enemy hears them coming and they think it's a great army and they leave everything and they flee. Just leave everything behind. Thinking they're getting ready to be overrun by their enemy. Four lepers, they come in to an empty camp. All of the food and all of the spoils of the enemy are there. Celebrating, look what we've got. Look how blessed we are. We stepped out in faith and Look what God has done. We've got all of this. More than we can eat. It's going to go bad before we can even finish it. But man, they left their goods behind. and they, they left their money behind. They left their wealth behind. In verse 9 of 2 Kings 7, they said this. And they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. But we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. What I want you to understand is we are blessed. But if we keep it to ourselves, just like the lepers, we are not doing right. It is a day of good news which is what the gospel means. It means good news. It is a day to tell others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a day to to bless others. Tomorrow is a day to bless others. And the next day is a day to bless others so that they would know and be blessed with the same blessings that we have. So that God would say of them, you are my children. He would declare us to be heirs. He would declare them to be heirs of God. Would you stand together? My call to action is this. It's really the five points that I gave. Pray that God would put somebody on your heart. Pray that God would empower you. and Pray that God would lead you to somebody that you could begin to work with and you could begin to listen to and you could begin to build relationship and eat with and you could begin to serve with and you could begin to share the gospel with. I'm convinced that the people in this room You want to see other people come to know Jesus. You want to see your family and you want to see your friends. You want to see your acquaintances. You want to see your neighbors come to know Jesus. This is an easy way to do it. Praying for them. Listening to them, which means you've got to spend time together eating with them. Spending time with them. We win people. The way to do that is T-I-M-E. Spending time. Part of that stewardship of time, talent, treasures, it takes time. Occasionally you'll find people, they're just ready for the gospel. Their life is such a mess. They just, just tell me. But most people, they don't know they need Jesus until they spend time around somebody who is filled with Jesus. Somebody that is the hands and feet of Jesus. Would you lift your hands right now? Would you ask God to work in you and work through you, Jesus? God, put a burden on our hearts, I pray.